in this morning. We will read from a couple of places, and so let's turn, if you don't mind. The second place we'll read is Matthew chapter 9, so if you want to get a head start there, that's fine. If you're fast enough, though, Jeremiah 32 will be the first place we read. Before I start reading here, um, I want to say a little bit about what I'm hoping to do today, Lord willing, is I'm going to read from these two places, pull out a scriptural principle, and then we're going to look at it um, several different ways. I was thinking, actually, this. I was actually thinking while we were singing the songs of uh, a time when uh, I was the Braves' bat boy. My sisters, my dear sisters, I have three of them, so this is what made this possible, because they had to fill out like a million of these little, like, write your name, you put it in a hat, and they draw your name. Well, I had the deck stacked. I mean, I had three sisters and put them to work. And so they filled out my name lots of times, and uh, I got drawn, so we got to go to Atlanta there, so I could be the Braves' bat boy, and I can remember... um, you know, I've watched, I'd watched them on TV so long, it's like every step of the way I was apprehensive. It's like, I can't step on this field. It's like this grass is sacred or something. It's like, I, you know, you just like feel like I don't belong here. And there was this guy who was kind of escorting me around. And every time that this would happen, he would point to my tag. He said, man, you're the bat boy. You're the bat boy. You belong here. Get out on that field. And so out on the field I would go. And it's helpful to have somebody like that every once in a while to remind you of your rights and privileges. And we're going to look today at a truth, theology, some truth about God that can be turned into rights and privileges that you can turn back and pray to the Lord and trust the Lord and apply it to a million different situations. So God helping us, that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at a truth about God that can be applied to us in a multitude of situations that can encourage us to get out and stand on something solid. So I'm not going to spend a bunch of time um, because we're going to go through several verses and um, we'll read these two and link these two up, but most of them I'll just read to you. Um, Don't let that worry you too bad on how long this might take, although I did bring a granola bar. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, I just want to look at this principle from all over the Bible so that we can feel the weight of it. A couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was actually a couple of months ago, um, the kids and I were riding through a town, and I really wanted them to see this like beautiful building there. It's a historic building, but when we got there, you couldn't hardly see any of the building because they were doing some repairs on it, and scaffolding was everywhere, and you couldn't see the building for all the scaffolding. And I don't want this sermon this morning to be that way. I want us to be able to see a clear truth And so I don't want to spend a ton of time trying to expound a ton of different verses. I just want us to feel the weight of what the Bible is teaching in an area about God. So let's look at Jeremiah 32. And the context here is that Babylonia was coming to take over the whole area where Jeremiah and them were. And what God had told Jeremiah to do is God told him to go buy a piece of land in the area that the Babylonians were about to take over. And this was, this was very clear. This was not going to be like a short thing. I mean, it didn't look like Babylonia was going to come in and it's going to be a little skirmish. And then maybe a week or two later, they were going to be able to get this land back. This looked like this was going to be absolutely permanent. Like this was such a bad investment from a worldly standpoint, it's like, let's go buy some land that someone else is about to take over and it's going to be theirs. It's like, you might as well throw your money away, basically. 
But God had told Jeremiah, no, no, y'all are coming back to this land. Y'all will. This looks absolutely impossible. Here's this massive superpower of the world that is about to claim all of this is theirs, but I'm going to bring you back. And so uh, Jeremiah does it. He actually buys the land and they seal the deed. And then it says in verse 16 of Jeremiah 32, after I had given the deed of the purchase to Barak, the son of Nera, I prayed to the Lord saying, Ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And then he starts walking through creation, which is what you do when you're in the Old Testament and you get in trouble. When you get in trouble in the Old Testament, default, Psalm, read them. They're going to go through two things. God made the whole world, and then let's talk about what God did for Israel. Let's start way back there with Abraham and just start walking through how God delivered his people. And that's a good practice in the Christian life. When you get discouraged and when the, man, you just got these walls that feel like they're crumbling down on you, you just start with the God who made the world and that has been faithful to his people. And then somewhere along the time that Jesus comes, you start feeling yourself getting encouraged again. It's a good practice. And that's what Jeremiah does here because you kind of get the feeling in his prayer. He's kind of trying to talk himself into it. Um, recently, my youngest, my very youngest was um, getting a series of shots that I would not have wanted. And he was going through a series of tests. And through tears, he was saying, Daddy, or he was saying, I'm brave, I'm brave. And he was, what he was saying is, is I'm doing this, I'm brave, but what he's also, he's trying to talk himself into being brave, right? And that's what Jeremiah is trying to do here. He's saying, ah, oh, Lord God, there is nothing too difficult for you, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, you, you could do this, surely, right? And so God, gracious as he is, isn't God so tender with our weakness? He says in verse 26, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. So God's talking back now. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? So Jeremiah says, nothing is too difficult for you, right? And God says, nothing is too difficult for me. I am the God of all flesh. I can do anything. And I love the word nothing or anything. I like those words that don't leave loopholes. Because we are used to having to deal with loopholes. Um, I work in IT. Some of my comrades are here, know what I'm talking about. And if you, I mean, if you've dealt with purchases, you know this. When we're going to buy software, you have to ask a lot of very specific questions because if you're not careful, those sales guys will sell you something, and then what you end up with is different than what you thought. Um, we recently bought a product not too long ago, and um, over and over again, we're like, okay, now reporting is here like we can get the data that we need out because it was very important for a process yes 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 all through the sales process got the software installed it's like all right i need to get some data out and they're like oh well yeah i mean it's available for ten thousand dollars a year <laughs> and it's like oh, man i went through this on my home i um when everything started happening it was so unique and there were so many different angles that this thing was happening i thought Surely, you know, and there's probably something that could help a little bit in insurance. So I called, uh, I called our insurance agent, <laughs> told him what was going on, and he literally started laughing. He's like, no, no, we don't cover that. I mean, if we had to cover that, I mean, we'd, we'd go out of business. And I was like, 
well, okay. It's like, well, do you cover this? It's like, no, no, if we cover it, I mean, do you know what this place is like around here? Like, everybody knows it does that, so we don't cover that either. And so we went through, and about four or five um, do you cover deep in this conversation, I said, what would have to happen to my house that you would cover it? <laughs> you start to get that feeling. We're used to having to deal with, like, ask these, like, really, really specific questions. But God just comes along here for Jeremiah and is like, well, I'm not even going to answer all of the, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you? I'm just going to say as a blanket statement, I am the God of all flesh, nothing, unqualified, hard stop, nothing. No asterisk, no footnote, no clause, nothing is too difficult for me. And that's wonderful. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And we will start... And verse 27, and just read 27 and 28. It says this, Matthew 9, 27 and 28. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When they entered the house, the blind man came to him, saying, came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. And that's the issue this morning. God is able, and what we're going to be asking ourselves at every point in the way, do you believe that I am able? What a question. And I love their response, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I've been thinking all this past week about Peter's response in a different area where he says, no, Lord. What two words in all of the English language could be more contradictory than no, Lord? No, Lord. And maybe that's the message for somebody here this morning. I don't know. Maybe there's an area in your life that you've really been struggling with. What are you going to do? Are you going to follow the Lord in it or not? There is nothing more contradictory in all of language probably than the phrase, no, Lord. If he's the Lord, it's a yes. One of those words has to be a formality. It has to. But they said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And the good news this morning is that the God who is able is our Lord. And so when you read these truths, it's not about, wow, I would like to, you know, it's like this thing over here. It's like, I would like to have an interest in this. This is your father that we're going to be talking about today. Who can do anything? Who can do anything? So let's look at this several, um, several different ways about this phrase here, God is able. And here's where I'll just start reading some verses to you. Number one God is able to send people to hell. Now that may seem like a strange number one, but my temptation was, is if you know your Bible at all, you know like we've got a buffet here. Like we could do God is able till about three o'clock just reading verses. So there's tons of God is able. There's tons of things that we could go through this morning. And my temptation was, is there's so many other ones and there's so many that are applicable and they're so good to leave this one out because we can be ashamed subtly of this whole thing of hell 
especially as our culture goes on and it's just not popular to talk about hell. So I thought, well, we're going to put it in and we're going to make it number one. God can send people to hell and it's a loving thing to say that. Several years ago, when my mom had cancer, there was this big mix-up and they for... uh, there was this big mix-up, and everything was unclear, so she finally had to call and find out like what were the actual results. And the doctor said, you've got cancer. That was not an unloving thing for that doctor to do. It ruined her day. It ruined our year. It changed absolutely everything. I cried buckets of tears. It was this horrible, awful time that completely changed the course of our lives. But you know what it was? That was a loving thing to do for that guy to say, Ma'am, you've got cancer, and if you don't treat it, you're going to die. And yet, when we come to eternal souls, there's a temp- eternal souls, there's a temptation to be ashamed of the fact that you've got a sin problem. And if you don't deal with your sin problem, if it's not dealt with, you're going to go to hell. God sends people to hell. And that's good to hear because there may be people here today that you're waiting. You've kind of gotten this, you're in the back of your mind this subtle idea that God's not really going to do this. I've got time or we're going to work it out. Like there's going to be this conversation when I die that there's, and there's going to be this dialogue. That's not going to happen. Justice has to be done. I wish I had time to illustrate this. Justice has to be done. It has to be done. When something happens in the news and justice isn't done, somebody gets away with a crime because they paid off the judge or because they had enough expert witnesses to make up enough stuff that they get off and the whole nation feels it. Justice wasn't done there. And there is outrage and Facebook just blows up and everybody's mad and it's like, that's not right. Well, guess what? Sin cries for justice against a holy God and he puts people in hell for it and it is right. It's right. Let me read you a couple of verses. Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. God is able, and he will. He will. But there's more points than number one, and isn't that good news? James 4.12 says this, it says, There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to destroy and save. It actually says it backwards. The one who's able to save and destroy. God is not only able to save, to destroy in hell. God, number two, is also able to save. And isn't that good news? Because when you hear God is going to put you in hell unless you do something about your sins, if you have been at this for any time, you have realized already, I can't do a thing about my sins. Remember one time I was trying to clean something off, and I kept trying to clean it, and I would thought I would get it almost uh, you know, about where I wanted it, and um, it would just look dirty again. So I cleaned another spot, and I started noticing that everywhere I was trying to clean was dirtier than when I had started and I looked down and realized I've got smudges of paint on my hands down here. So everything I was touching was getting more dirty and more soiled the more I worked with it. And that's the way it is with your sin. You can't make yourself clean because your hands are dirty. But this is such good news this morning. God is able to save. God is able to save. So it says this in Matthew 3, 9... 
It says, and do not suppose that you can say for yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. He's talking to the Pharisees. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. And in another part, he's talking to the disciples and he tells them that he's talking about how hard it is for a rich man to enter enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples are working this out. They're like, man, this is not looking good for any of us. (laughs) Like, this is not looking good. And they're right. It is not looking good for anyone unless Jesus gets involved. Because he says, with men, this is impossible. But with God, we've already covered it in Jeremiah 32, nothing is too difficult for God. And God can save. And no matter what you've done this morning, God can make you clean. No matter what sin you have that has put your heart in so much bondage that you can't even see out anymore, God can break that bondage, just like we read in Psalm 107. God is able to save, and he's not just able to save easy cases, right? Because sometimes we think of that. It's like you're kind of thinking and subtly in the back of your mind, like, who am I going to pray for to get saved? And you're kind of like, well, who kind of listens already a little bit and kind of like maybe minds their parents or something? Like, let's pray for that. And then, you, you know, and there's this kind of subtle idea that like some people are, it's like easier for God to save. No, God's able to save the so-called, so-called hard cases too. Over in Mark 5, 3, he's talking about this demoniac. And it says this about him. It says he lived, you know this story? This guy was, you talk about a mess. I mean, if you, want to, if you want to see somebody bound up in sin, go read Mark chapter 5. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched, the ESV says, the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him until Jesus came along. Yeah. You remember the story? Here's this man. Can you see this? Like We read this like you're watching, reading a Marvel comic or something. Like This actually happened. Like You could have gone to a spot and watched this happen. Like Literally, like there's a guy here, and he's breaking chains apart. No one can subdue him. If there's anybody that you're not going to pray for because you don't think it's going to work, it's this guy. He's a mess. Like We can't even bind him. We can't even keep him in one place. That's how bound up in sin... And under demonic oppression, this guy is. And yet, what happens? Jesus comes along. And just a few short verses later, this guy says, I love the phrase, it says, he is sitting there in his right mind. Everybody else is freaking out. He's sitting there in his right mind. Jesus has completely broken his bonds apart. Completely. And that should encourage parents here this morning with your kids that you're praying for, and by kids, I don't mean ones that are just this tall. I mean some of them that are this tall and moved away. God can save anybody. I am the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Is it too difficult for me that they're that far in sin? Is it too difficult for me that they're not under your influence in your house anymore? Is it too difficult for me that they've gotten into this or that? Don't lose hope, parent. Don't lose hope for your loved ones. Some of you have got a burden for your, parent, for your parents, your older parents. And you're wondering, does God save people that old? Like I've seen people get converted when they were teenagers. But man, does God save people when they're older? God saves people when they're older. God can save anybody. Because he is able to humble anybody. Daniel chapter 4, 37. I'll just read you this. 
Remember Nebuchadnezzar? He ends up, he thinks he's like, man, he really thinks he's something. He ends up grazing out in a field. I mean, imagine that. We read these like they're like movies, but you, there's a God, there's a king, he was a king, and now he's out in the field walking around like a cow. Like, this is not normal. Then his reason is restored, and it says, At the same time, my reason was restored to me, and, my, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom. God put him back, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, all right? This is Nebuchadnezzar. This is like the leader of the superpower of the world saying this. I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just. For those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. There is no hard case for God. Like it says in Hebrews 7.25, Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him. God is able to save Number three, God is able to build you up. Acts 20.32, And now I commend to you, God, and now I commend you to God and to his word of grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. God is, you may feel beat down this morning. I don't know how you came here. But how, wherever you're at this morning, in your Christian walk, maybe it's been a good week. Maybe it's been a very, very, very bad week. Maybe you've got stuff that you're facing. Hear the word of the Lord this morning from Acts chapter 20. God is able to build you up. I remember being over in Romania, and I was walking through this gypsy village. And um, we would have had to clean for a very long time to even call this place dirty. I mean, it was bad. There's just, like, stuff strewn everywhere. Like, scrap metal that can't be used for absolutely anything else is everywhere. And right in the middle of the place, someone had taken this old, rusty, like, tetanus cesspool pole and jammed it in the ground. And in the top of that pole, a seed had fallen. And enough dirt was there that it was able to take root. And I am telling you... With a clear conscience, that was one of the most, that was the, probably the prettiest flower I've ever seen in my life. Right there in the midst of that gypsy village growing out of the top of, of a tetanus-filled pole that somebody had jammed in the ground and forgot about years before. God put that seed there, and he made it grow in one of the worst environments I have ever seen in my life. So you look across this gypsy village, and it looks like a bomb went off, and right in the middle of it is this pole tilted sideways with this beautiful flower growing out. Why? Because God can make anything grow anywhere. Nothing is too difficult for him. And God can do that for you too. God can build you up. It does not matter what environment it's in. God doesn't say, like, if you can get yourself in a place, like sometimes that happens with hostages. You know, they're in such a bad place. It's so guarded that the military is trying to figure out how could we get them to a safer place to where we could come and extract them. God has never had that problem. He has never had that problem. There's promises in Isaiah I love to pray through. It says they shall be like a watered garden. God can do that for you. Whatever situation you're in, it is completely unqualified. God is able to build you up. What else is God able to do? One, or man, I'm not even going to try and number these. Next, God is able to provide for you. 
2 Corinthians 9, 7-8 through 8 is in this context. He's talking about this gift that these Macedonians are going to give. And it says this, Each one must give as he decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every, or you could say all, good works. God is able to provide for you. And that's what he's saying here. God's able to give you what you need to give. Isn't that interesting? It's kind of like, you know, um, I can remember being a child and sitting with my parents in church and I wanted to give money in the offering plate. And of course I had nothing, you know, absolutely nothing. And my, often my, my dad, on top of what he was given, he would give me a couple of dollars to give so I could put in the tithe, so I could put in the offering plate when it came by. That's what God's doing here. That's what Paul's saying. He says, God will give so that you can give. And God will give. He'll provide for you. God will provide. I remember also staying with Romania stories. Um, since I was with HeartCry, the policy was is that you didn't make known your needs, which was great until needs came. And I, was, I can remember in the early stages when there were no needs, it's like writing about, like, I, man, I was just riding those American believers about, man, you need to live by faith. Like, you, you know, you need to trust God. Why could you not trust God after all he's done for you? And then literally one day it got down to a half of a loaf of bread and one bottle of water. And I was sitting there just thinking, all right, now what would George Mueller do? You know, you get him, like, come over here, orphans. Let's watch the way that God provides for his children. And that's wonderful. It really is. I'm reading the kids that story now. It's so glorious. That was not me, okay? I was a ball of anxiety. <laughs> I really was. And so I, you know, I'm sitting in my room, and it's one of those deals where you're trying to read verses and make yourself believe in it, but it's just not working, and it's getting worse by the minute. Um, that's just where I was at. I wish I could share with you some glorious story about how I was like, hey, guys, come over here and watch God give his missionary bread. That was not me at all. So I was really struggling with this, and the only way to like try and clear my head is I went out to walk. So I was walking, and um, as I was walking and trying to pray and trying to bring up these verses and trying to remind myself about how God had provided for his children over the years and getting close to nowhere just because of a lack of faith, um, a lady came up to me and started talking to me. And she spoke, I, you know, I wonder, she must, I think she might have been from England. We both spoke English, but she had a very different accent that was not Southern. So uh, I'm pretty sure she was from over in England, and it was a nice conversation. And honestly, I was not even thinking that this is the way that God is going to provide, because by that point, it's like, I probably need to call my mom and tell her I love her. Like, this is not going to end well. And so I, um, we talked, and that was it, and she walked away. And I walked away and continued on my way. And then I felt a tap on my shoulder, and she said, hey, I don't know why. I'm supposed to give you this. And she handed me $20 and said, God bless, bye, and walked away. Now, I like that story for the reason that if you read the George Mueller stories and you're not careful, you start to think, boy, if I could just believe God, God would do things for me too. God's gracious. He's able to provide for you. He's able to provide for you. And it's not because like we're these amazing kids of, with our Father and that we always get it just right. He is merciful and He's able to provide. All right, we've got to keep moving if I'm going to keep my promise. 
God is able to keep you from stumbling. And that's encouraging too, isn't it? Jude 1, 24 through 25, it says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. I like that because it's not the idea that you just, man, he kept you, but it was like you were a pretty hard case. So you just barely made it in. And it's kind of like one of those deals, like when you get in out of the rain, it's like, oh, like you're just soaking wet and you kind of feel beat down. That's not it at all. He says, yeah, I'm going to get you here. I'm going to keep you from stumbling and present you with great joy. God is able to keep you from stumbling. And you may have an area in your life that it seems impossible to get victory. Um, you have a temper, your dad had a temper, his dad had a temper. As long as anybody can remember in this family, the dad's had a temper. And it may be something you struggle with. God can keep you from stumbling. It may be gossip. It may be pornography. Isn't that one? It may have been a deal that's been a struggle for a long time. Guess what God can do? God can keep you from stumbling. He is able Hear the word of the Lord. I am the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Can you, can you believe that God's able this morning to keep you from stumbling and break any pattern of sin? What else is he able to do? He is able, God is able to come to our aid when we are tempted. And I like this one a lot. Hebrews 2.18, For since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered... He is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. And then over in 4, 15 through 16, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence. God is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. And the reason why I think this one is especially precious is because it is not simply the ability of power, It is also the ability of understanding. That's what he's saying. That's the argument here. God is not only strong enough to come to you when you're tempted, but he is able to sympathize with you in your weaknesses because guess what? The one that you are talking to is himself a man. Jesus is a man. And that does not mean that he is God running around in human skin. I saw some competition um, not too long ago. Um, it was one of those, I think, American Ninja Warrior deals. And um, they had this guy who looked like a really old, decrepit guy. You know, he's all, like, bent over at the start, and he's, like, barely making it. And yet, through the whole time, you're like, man, this guy's good. Like, what is he eating? Like, this does not seem possible because he looks like he's about 95, and he's doing more than what these other... Well, come to find out, it's one of the, you know, like rock star guys that's got makeup on and dressed up as an old guy. Well, guess what? Jesus didn't live his life like that guy doing that obstacle course. He really was a man. When it says he got tired, he really was tired. Jesus knows what it's like to be exhausted. Now you can just start going through it. Jesus knows what it's like to have a very hard family situation. That comes up a lot. He knows what that feels like. Jesus even knows what it feels like to have shame because of what he endured on the cross. He knows all of these things and he is able to come to your aid when you are tempted. You are not coming to someone who has no idea what you are talking about. 
I can remember when Jackson was down in St. Louis at one of the hardest times when it looked certain like he would die. One of the brothers from here drove all the way down there, and we found a room, and um, and we wept. And it helped me so much because he was one of the brothers whose wife had had a miscarriage. And you know how it is when you have somebody. It's different. It's, it's helpful when the believers come to you. But when you have somebody coming to you and they understand what the agony feels like a little about, man, it's like, okay, I can just weep for a little bit. Like, you can just like, all right, like, this is safe. Like, I can just, you know, it's different when you have someone that understands. Jesus understands, beloved. He understands what you're facing, and he can come to your aid when you're tempted. What else? God is able to make you stand. That's encouraging. Romans 14.4, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will, don't you love this, he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. Man, that's, that's good. Because you look at yourself sometimes, and especially if it's been in a situation where you have fallen so many times, it's, you feel like it's clockwork. If I get hit with that, I'm going down. Not, it's just not going to happen. Guess what? God is able to make you stand. You can be upheld for the Lord is able. He is able. Do you have a situation where you need to stand and do the right thing? And... Um, Man, our culture, it's always been bad. Like, you read history, like, there, you know, it's like we started with. There's none righteous, no, not one. Everyone has their own particular problems in their culture. Even when you get in church group cultures, when you get a bunch of lostness, it's just a bunch of religious sin, no real difference. But there, there are issues coming down the pipeline in our culture, and they're already there, and they're just boiling over. And you're gonna have, there's going to be times when you are going to have to stand or fall and you're going to have to make a decision to follow Jesus and face the consequences or not follow Jesus and face his consequences. But take heart in this. Don't forget when that man, when those times come, don't forget Romans 14. You can be upheld for God is able to make you stand. God is able to make you stand. What else? God is able to establish you. God is able to establish you. Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. That's encouraging because sometimes we can believe God that I could stand this one time, but I don't know if I could keep standing. I mean, it's one thing to stand once, but to stand your whole life day after day, week after week as the years roll on in this area, constantly being bombarded by temptations and you're still standing, that can be a daunting thought. Um, it reminds me of the time that my dad and I, um, we, took a, we went on a tour of the baseball stadiums along the East Coast, and it drove me nuts because he would not give me my ticket for the, the next stadium, much less two later, until we got there. And so, like, we get to Atlanta, I'm like, all right, Dad, I want, let's see, Baltimore, Fenway, and if I could have that Hall of Fame ticket, that one looks especially cool. And Dad was like, no, no, I'm not giving this to you. No, why was my dad not giving this to me? If you're a parent, you know. We would have gotten to Baltimore and had to buy another ticket. That's exactly why. Because I, I couldn't handle tomorrow's ticket today. 
And that is God, that's the way God works, isn't it? Give us this day tomorrow's bread. That's not what it says. Give us this day our daily bread. Trust God for today, and that's all you need to trust God with. You know why? Because what's going to happen when you wake up tomorrow? God is going to give you your ticket. He's going to provide for you, and help will be there. And how many things have you endured that never came to pass anyway? Suffered so much anxiety and just sleepless nights, and this thing's about to kill you. And then lo and behold, it never happens. Or if it does happen, it doesn't happen in quite the way that you thought it would. It's different. And you know what all that anxiety got you? Nothing. Except maybe some medical bills. It does nothing. It does no good. And God's not going to give it to you. So quit trying to get it. God is going to give you what you need today to face the trials that you're facing today. And let him carry the weight of all the what-ifs of tomorrow. Because he can not only make you stand, he can make you stand for a long time, day after day, no matter what temptation that you're facing. Just leave that with him. Trust him with today. And then trust him with tomorrow and leave it there. Leave it there. He's able to establish you. What else? God is able to keep his promises. Romans 4, 18 through 22 says this. In hope, he's talking about Abraham. In hope, he believed against hope that he would become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. God is able to do what he had promised. Again, back in St. Louis, uh, when we were living there, we had to ship the kids a lot back and forth between there because we were living in this little hotel room and it just was not a good, it was not a good spot to raise kids, um, especially with all the stress that was going on with um, Jackson and the CICU. And so I can remember there was a time, it was particularly bad, the kids were sad about it and I was like torn up about them having to go back um, how many times they go back. So what did I do as a dad? I promise we're not going to have to send you back again. Does anybody want to raise their hand and tell me what happened to those poor kids? <laughs> they got sent back because I myself landed in the cardiac intensive care unit and they just would not let kids stay there for some reason. Here's the deal. I love my kids. I love my kids more than my own life. But guess what? I am not able to keep every promise that I make no matter how bad that I want to keep it. Because I'm not God. But guess what? Your father is God. And he is able. He can keep every single promise that he made. And this is why when we're harping on, read your Bible, get a Bible reading plan, do whatever you have to do, stay in the word, is because you need the promises of God kept before you all the time. You need this theology. I mean, I'm like all over the place in the Bible here because it is all over the place in the Bible. And you need this. You need this daily. You need to hear from God daily about his promises and power as it relates to your life as you try and follow him because they are there and he is able. God will always 
keep his promises. And let me just read you one thing on this really quick um, from Joshua 21. says this, Joshua 21 and 43. And this is Joshua. It says, um, Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the, all the land that he swore to give their fathers, and they took possession of it and settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all of their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all of their enemies into their hands, and not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Let's just hit this one more time, because that's what Joshua does. In 23.14, this is Joshua speaking. That was more narrative. This is Joshua. And Joshua, at the end of his life, he says this, And now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts. I love it. He's like, you know. You know. You know in your hearts and in your souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God has promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you, and not one of them has failed. God keeps His promises. And we could spend a long time there, couldn't we, about all the promises that God has kept. Well, we need to wrap up. There's a lot more God's able. We'll do one more. And I like this one because this one's like one of those uh, um, signed checks. I can remember going on a trip and uh, um, old enough to drive and get around and yet not old enough, and most of you are way more mature than I was, but not old enough to like think through what expenses might be accrued and how far my very limited wallet would have actually gotten us. And right before I left, my dad said, just in case, just take this credit card. Guess what got used? <laughs> Not even extravagant. Like, literally, like, okay, we're here. If I use my card, we don't have gas. If we use his card, we do get gas. <laughs> this one, God is able to do more than we ask or think. Yeah. Isn't that a precious promise? Because sometimes you don't even have enough sense to ask God for something. It just seems too, it's like, man, like I could believe God to save one of my kids, but all of my kids, like you pray for, like, God, would you save some of my children? And then you think, wow, I wish God could save all my children. So this is what he says. Now to him, in Ephesians three twenty and 21, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, that covers request and even things that you think about that you didn't have enough sense to pray for. God can do abundantly more than you ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God can do anything. I am the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today and we ask you to help this not just to be bare theology. God, help us to walk in this as we pray for loved ones and as we face sin and temptations 
And as we face needs with money and bills roll in and we don't know where it's going to come from, and as we face hard situations where we don't know how we're going to be built up, it's like, how am I going to thrive in this environment? God, you are able to do far more abundantly beyond what we can ask or think. And so we say it with Paul, to you be glory in the church and through all the ages. Amen.